I like that that song talked about the scene when Jesus was born, and it talked about who came to worship him, and it talked about the Magi in there. Did you catch that? The gifts of the Magi, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and, and we talked about them last week. We, we, we took a deep dive into those, those wise men, and we saw how their worship was an example of love, because these guys were wealthy. By tradition tells us they were kings of some sorts. They had nothing to gain by coming so far to worship and to give expensive gifts to this baby born in the middle of nowhere, but they had been touched by God. They, the Spirit had told them that something is happening. The Spirit had told them, you, you want to go check it out. This is worth everything that you have to go and check it out and to worship. And they did. They were wise because they had the, had the sense to recognize their own need. Even though they had all that money and power. And that's something that we uh, can relate to. Whether you think you have tons of money and power or not, you... In America, uh, we really do have tons of money and power, and we show it off every Christmas time, just at the gifts that we give, at the delicacies that we bake, the electricity that we burn to light up our houses and our trees, the concerts that we buy special tickets to, right? And it just gets me thinking about how, gosh, we can have a hard time sometimes really believing that we have a need for salvation. And maybe that's why sometimes it's hard to love God. I was thinking about this this week, and, and there, there's a commercial that comes on YouTube all the time, or it comes on about YouTube all the time now about how to, you can, you can learn anything. The one guy, he wants to learn how to cook a brisket, and so he, ends up learns, he learns it and then ends up opening this restaurant. Uh, what's the other one? The, girl has, the lady has a kid with uh, sensitive skin and can't, can't use any of the soap, and so she learns how to make soap for sensitive skin, starts a business, saves the world, you know, that kind of thing, all from YouTube. And when you can solve any of your problems by going to the doctor or taking a pill or asking YouTube or whatever, it can be easy to think that we don't really need a savior. The wise men, as rich as they were, were wise enough to know that they needed a savior, that there, that there, there is a God there is a God that is greater than them, that is wealthier than them, that is wiser than them, and they will give an account to that God one day, and that standing there as they are, they're not good enough to pass the test. They need a Savior. They need a solution to that problem, the problem of the ugliness inside their own hearts. Today... 
we are turning to a different cast of characters. Clear on the other end of the socioeconomic spectrum, the shepherds. But before we read the text, it would do all of us. Whether you think you have lots of power and money, and maybe that's a trap you fit into, is I, I, I kind of believe sometimes that I don't quite need God. Or whether you think you're on the, maybe the shepherd's side of the scale, the, the, the poor, dirty, stinky shepherd. Nobody cares about me. You're on that side of the scale. You think nobody cares about me. Why would God care about me either? Both of you need to hear this this morning. You are, in fact, living your life every day Corum Deo. Corum Deo is the Latin phrase. Corum Deo means before the face of God. Jot that down on your notes page today because it's an important thing to think about. Everything you do, every conversation you have, every thought that you feel, feel every thought that you think, every feeling that you feel, every action you take, every action you don't take, every conversation you have, every complaint that you issue to your husband about the way he does, does or doesn't make the bed, every way you, 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 you chide your wife about the things that, that she does that irritate you, everything you do, you do it before the face of God. And that's an important thing to remember before we even dive deeper into these characters. All of us. All of us are like these characters. How are we going to respond? Because there was another bad guy. There was another guy in the, in the story last week from the, the wise men, the bad guy, remember? Remember him? The king? What'd he do in the face of God? Tried to kill him. Tried to put the light out. Tried to, like with the kid, tried, to, tried to put the light out with darkness. We're going to read today from the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to start in chapter 2, verse 8. And we're going to hear about these shepherds. And let's just see what they have to teach us today. Father, would you add your blessing, please, to the reading of this word? And please, uh, teach us what it means to, uh, to look for joy and to find it, especially at Christmas time. Amen. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts, angels, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Then they went away. And when the angels left and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all, up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is God's word for us today. The rich and powerful come from afar to see Jesus. Well, the poor folks, they don't probably have a way to come from afar, but the ones that are close by drop everything and they go to see Jesus. Rich and poor alike, Jesus came to save rich, wealthy, and powerful, and poor and dirty if they will be humble enough to see their need and respond to the word when it hits them, when it comes to them. Shepherds are not glorious professions. Shepherding is not a glorious profession. Shepherds, they worked outside. They were uneducated. They worked outside with animals all day. They smelled bad. They were the riffraff. They kind of had their own culture, their own jokes, their own way of talking, their own way of thinking, their own way of being. When they went into the town, they weren't welcome very many places because, after all, they smelled bad. And who knows what was on their sandals. They, uh, they, I think if I were to think about what's a comparison to a shepherd nowadays, probably some kind of cross between a third shift <clears throat> factory worker and, and a, a gas station attendant. Third shift factory worker has to have one skill, and they have to know how to do that job. But then after that, nobody really pays attention to them. They go to work at night when everybody's asleep. But then the convenience store clerk, they don't make any money. Third shift factory workers can make a good, good, good amount of money. But, so that's why I say it's kind of a, a cross between these types of professions. Who cares about shepherds? Well, I'll tell you what, there were a lot of them. There were a lot of them. Today, we uh, you know, chicken, pork, beef, those are our, 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 our livestock. In the ancient world, for most of human history, it's been the sheep. Sheep has been the most common livestock for fiber and for protein. Sheep were everywhere. So any given night on an Israeli uh, countryside, you would see the hills. If there's grass there, they're going to be covered with sheep and covered with shepherds. Now, not the owners of the sheep. No, the owners of the sheep were like the, 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 the landlords of of, of great big apartment complexes and such. They weren't going to go to the sheep unless they had to. These were whoever they could get to live outside, sleep in the grass, and potentially face wild animals and whoever knows what kind of weather to watch the sheep. Now, what kind of people are going to do that? A lot of times young people. A lot of times people with no other choices. A lot of times people who felt trapped or had no future or no hope in life. People who are uneducated. But it is to these people that the sky burst open and a huge company of angels appears to tell them, to tell them that something had happened that's going to change the world forever, that the God of heaven had burst into earth and was doing something big, telling them. You can maybe understand the magi, the kings from the east, but the shepherds, The angels promised them that 
what has happened here is going to be cause for great joy for all the people. And we know that the shepherds believe them because of what happens. Great joy. They, they get so excited. They can't contain themselves. Now, wouldn't you like to know that kind of joy? Even just once, even just for a moment, wouldn't you like to bottle it up? And wouldn't you like to just be able to access that, that, that joy to get that excited about something? When's the last time you've been that excited about something that you couldn't contain yourself? I mean, serious question. Think about it for a second. When's the last time you were so excited? You couldn't contain yourself. You just had, and you couldn't keep it to yourself either. That's joy. And that's the joy that the angels say is coming now to all people because of, because of Christmas, because of Jesus. Now, in order to understand that joy, first, I need to tell you what they're not talking about. Now, you've got to understand, they're not talking about pleasure. Joy does not equal pleasure. And the shepherds knew this. The circumstances of the shepherds have not changed. They're so excited, but you know what? They know that even in a couple days, they're going to go back to their same dirty, smelly job. In fact, probably that same night they had to get back unless the, the owner of the sheep find out that they all left the sheep out in the fields to themselves all night. I don't know what happened to all those sheep. Maybe God miraculously protected them that night so the shepherds could all get away. I don't know. That's, I've always wondered that, though. Who kept the sheep safe? But, and, you see, I got myself off track. But uh, it's nothing has changed in their lives. Their circumstances aren't going to be any better. They're still dirty, stinky, cold, and poor. See, the devil tempts you by telling you that pleasure is the same thing as joy. Or that pleasure will lead to joy. Seek pleasure enough. If you get enough pleasure in your life, pleasure or comfort, then you will have a joyful life. You will be a joyful person. That that's where it's at. And it's a lie. It's a lie. I heard, uh, I heard or read, I can't remember, R.C. Sproul, the pastor, died a few years ago, uh, but really, really influential pastor, talking about his uh, smoking habit. Now, he always knew that smoking was not only, it, was, it wasn't a good idea. It wasn't healthy and it was, it was bad. But he enjoyed it. It brought him pleasure to smoke a cigarette. And now after smoking the cigarette, the pleasurable feeling was, was gone and his hands and his clothes and his breath smelled bad and there was a little mess around at the table and his wallet was a little bit lighter. But he kept on doing it because, oh well, it brought him pleasure. For no other reason. It brought him pleasure. And he used that as an example to point to the difference between pleasure and joy. Part of him, even, you know, holy, reverend Dr. Sproul, part of him still believed that this could lead to joy. And that's what happens every time we sin. We wouldn't sin if it wasn't fun. You wouldn't sin if it didn't feel good. If it wasn't pleasurable, you wouldn't do it. This is the lie that 
we find ourselves believing is that enough pleasure will eventually lead us to joy. And it's not true. The other thing that, that joy is not the same as, it is not the same as peace. Who was it that sang that song, I got a peaceful, easy feeling? That's peace. They're singing about peace, not joy. They're different. We have other words in the Bible for peace. Shalom, very common, very important Hebrew word. Shalom, peace, the peace of the Lord be with you. Irene in the Greek, if you like random, useless knowledge like that. That's not useless. But you'll hear Christians say some, sometimes things like this. You won't always be happy, but you can always have joy. And I don't think that's true. You can't always have joy. I think what they're talking about is you can always be satisfied at a deep level. You can always have um, a firm foundation. You can always be grounded. You can always have I think what they're talking about is peace. You can always have peace. Even amidst terrible circumstances, you can always find peace. But joy isn't the same as peace. You hear somebody say, don't let them steal your joy. Now here again, they mean peace, not joy. Don't let them steal your peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Knowing him will bring peace to your life because you'll know that you know that he will never let you go. So high times and low times, you can have that peace. But he will also bring joy, the scripture says. The scripture says in Christmas time is a time we celebrate joy. So what is, the, what is, what is joy? It's not a word that we use every day. Your, your coworkers at work probably don't use that word very often. We say it in church. Maybe sing it in some songs. But it's not a word that we use very often. Uh, your Bible dictionary will tell you that joy means to rejoice or to be glad. Or it's a gladness, a state of rejoicing. It's happiness. That's joy. Maybe it'll help you more if I show you a few examples in the Bible of where joy is used. The Magi, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. This wasn't a feeling that was going to stay with them for their entire lives, every moment of every day. This is a peak. This is an emotional high. They're overjoyed when they saw the star. The shepherd, Jesus says, is happier about the one sheep that is found, that is lost and then found, than about the 99 who didn't wander off. He has joy that is brought to him by the finding of the sheep. Ooh, Jesus' enemies, this is all the same word in the, in the, in the original language, by the way. Jesus' enemies were overjoyed when they found out that Judas would accept money to betray Jesus. They were overjoyed. The 72 disciples, Jesus sends them out to preach the gospel. And they come back with joy, saying, even the demons submit to us in your name. Wow, wow, Jesus, wow. And then when Peter was in jail in the book of Acts, when Peter 
uh, was in jail for preaching the gospel, and he was miraculously released from jail. He came to the house, Mary's house, I think, and, and, and Rhoda, the servant girl, answered the door. Well, she didn't answer, open the door. She went to the door, and she heard Peter's voice, and she runs back to tell everybody, Peter's here, Peter's here. And she was overjoyed. Joy, it's not pleasure, it's not mere entertainment, it's not that calm, steady, peaceful, easy feeling, it's not well-being. Joy has, okay, a couple other things just to jot down as we think about this for the rest of the week. Joy has an antecedent. You know what an antecedent is? Joy must be sparked. An antecedent is something that comes before it. I could have said something that comes before it, but that'd be too many blanks for you to fill in. So I said antecedent. Joy has an antecedent, something that comes before it. Joy must be sparked. The magi sees his star. The shepherd finds his sheep. The bad guys find their stooge. The disciples witness a miracle. Rhoda hears Peter's voice. Something sparks the joy, and pow, it comes to life. Now, does anything, having given you that definition of joy, does anything about the Christmas story still have that power to spark joy in your heart? Does anything about the decorations in front of me, the candles, the scriptures, the songs, does any of it still have that power to light you on fire in your spirit and to bring you joy, to excite you? God has come to us. God is here. God will come again. The world is not just as it seems. I look out there at whatever I see, cars and a road I can see out the window and a chain link fence and a dog going to the bathroom and all that. That's not, that's not all there is to see. That's not all there is that's going on out there. Every turn of the earth on its axis, every good day, every bad day, every sunrise, every, every, every storm that comes along, every interaction you have with somebody, good or bad, it's all being woven together in this story that God is, is weaving. He's here. He's doing something. He's doing something. And we get to be alive to witness part of it. Isn't that at least a little bit exciting? Isn't that at least a little bit sparks some joy? Doesn't that at least spark a little bit of joy? One more weird word for the, for the morning. Because lastly, I want to tell you, the joy is kinetic. Remember your high school physics class, anybody? What's kinetic energy? You, you know that? What is it? You just, you just learned it yesterday. You don't remember? Who knows kinetic energy? Come on. Come on. Oh, they're all looking away. Like, don't, don't ask me. Don't ask me. The energy that comes from motion, right? Energy that comes from motion is kinetic energy. Joy results in action. Joy moves me to action. When my favorite sports team Scores a touchdown. They're going to score a lot of them today. I'm going to react. 
Nobody who sits there and watches their favorite sports team score a game-winning goal and you can't do it. You can't do it. You have to react. How does it move our shepherds? It moves them. They leave. The, we got to go. Let's go. We got to do this thing. And then even after they, 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 they go and they see the child, the scripture says that they still go and they tell everybody that they know what's happened to them, what they've seen. My first question to you, was there anything in the Christmas story that still has the capacity to ignite joy in your spirit? My second question is, does that joy then lead you into action and what are those actions? Does that joy lead you into action and what are those actions? For some reason, there's a, there's a very real tendency to have that joy sparked, but then hush up about it, kind of bury it. It's like a wet blanket gets thrown on top of it. What are those things that threaten to suffocate your joy in the Lord, to keep you from worshiping, singing out, raising your hands, saying hallelujah, praise the Lord, telling somebody about how God's changed your life. What are those threats? Identify them. Joy is more important than them. Don't let those things squelch your joy. It's not worth it. You were made for joy. Joy is a gift. So go ahead and feel it. And express it. And when you do so, you know what? You're being more human in that moment than all those Scrooges or fuddy-duddies who think that you're just supposed to sit there and be quiet and stone-faced and serious all the time. Let's pray. Thanks, God, for Christmas once again and for joy. And if there's anybody here who's having a hard time finding joy in the Christmas story, God, I pray that you would take these truths and that you would embed them so deeply into that person's heart right now, even listening to me. Maybe there's somebody who thinks nobody cares about them. Nobody thinks they're very special. But what about these shepherds? This story we're told, the God of heaven, you see them. You made them. You created them. You care. And you've come to save them. You have a place for them in your kingdom, a kingdom that will never end. Help us, God. Man, there are so many things that, 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 that pollute our lives, trying to make us grumpy or serious, stone-faced, angry, stressed, anxious, bored, lonely. Man. Help us, Lord. 
Overcome those things. And give us your joy. For we have so much to be joyful about. Thank you for hearing this prayer. And thank you for being here with us this morning.